First off is we're going to show a little clip from YouTube that Tony and I saw. Um, it's been a couple of weeks ago, so maybe you've already seen it, but go ahead and roll this. We're going to talk about listening first off, and this really sums it up. It's just there's all this pressure, you know, and sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way, do I have to keep on talking till I can go? The first time I saw that, it just struck me how true that really is on both sides. Uh, ladies, I think you all would humbly agree with me that sometimes our guys are right in that when they want to help us and give us a solution, they're right in their solutions. But the thing is, guys, it really isn't about the nail. <laughs> it's about it's about listening to us. It's about, uh, like I mentioned last night, about fellowshipping with us about a situation. It's about caring about how we're, we're feeling about a situation. If you can care about how we feel about a situation first, then we'll be able to allow you to offer a solution. Maybe not at that moment, but maybe in days to come. And honestly... I mean, we didn't make that video up. This is really how it is between husbands and wives, or men and women in communication. So I want to talk a little bit this morning to start off with about listening. And um, I'm going to come from both sides. So guys, please don't feel like I'm about to bash men that they're not good listeners. And ladies, please don't think that I'm giving you permission to just go on and on and on and on forever in your talking. Um, Mary Lou Casey says what people really need is a good listening to. Love listens and doesn't interrupt and then responds with healing words of truth. Truth without love is brutality. Would you agree with me? And we've all known people who says, I'm just telling you the truth, but it comes across pretty harsh. But, you know, uh, love without truth is actually hypocrisy. 
Wouldn't you agree? So we, we need to know how to speak the truth in love so that the hearer is able to receive that truth. Truth's very vital and critical to our well-being. So there's just ways to say it that make it more easily to receive. It is said that being listened to spells the difference between feeling accepted and feeling isolated. One of you, one of you might be the talker, one of you might be the listener. But whoever is the talker, if they don't feel listened to, there is that sense of isolation that comes over them, and they feel lonely in the relationship. And I think, you know, a lot of times it goes on both sides. Somebody feels lonely in the relationship because they can't talk without upsetting their partner. And so here's hopefully a few things that we can talk about this morning that might help. Um, studies have shown that we think we listen better than we really do. And just hearing does not constitute listening. They're not the same thing. Hearing is passive. Listening is definitely an active thing. Listening is not about hearing words. It's about hearing the message behind the words. And this is a complaint I think that women have a lot. They feel like their husband maybe hears them, but they're not listening to it. They're not hearing the message behind what they're trying to say. Guys, we don't always have the right words to use to explain what's going on. So we stumble sometimes. And that can be kind of tedious. If you're the listener, it can be tedious to listen to that person stumble, trying to define or explain what they're going through. But patience, let patience have its perfect work. And eventually we do find the words that can explain what's going on on the inside of us. Ladies, I have heard it said, though, that when our men hear us say, we need to talk, that they feel like they're sentenced to life imprisonment. <laughs> a little piece of advice that will start a conversation off on the right foot is to say, I'd like to talk for 15 minutes. Or I'd like to talk, if it's a really big subject, I'd like to talk for a half an hour. For your guys, it can help them if there is a time limit, if you set the time limit on that conversation. And if your guy is, is kind of a, a mover, if he you know, doesn't like to sit still long, if he has a hard time listening, start small. Say, I'd like to talk to you for 10 minutes and stay with it. Keep your word. You know, when that 10 minutes is up, say, okay, we'll stop talking about this now and we'll pick this up later. Because, you know, conversation can have a stop and start kind of a relationship, right? You, you don't have to do the whole thing all at once. That's overwhelming to, to most guys. That's overwhelming to any listener. I, I'll even say it's not just men that have a, a struggle with that. I will have trouble with that sometimes if somebody is just talking to me nonstop you know, hour after hour, it's, I just want to go shoot myself. So it's, um, I realize that's a little strong, but honestly, I, I, I do feel that way. I feel trapped. Have you ever felt trapped in a conversation? Somebody has cornered you? Verbal abuse, Pastor Mark says. <laughs> Listener abuse, it is, absolutely. So nobody likes to feel cornered. Your spouse does not like to feel cornered. All right, so if you put a deadline on it, I think your spouse, man or woman, will tune in to you better. We think, now here's, here's the science behind all of this, okay? I did a little research. We can think faster 
then we can talk. Yes, amen. We talk at the rate of 120 words per minute. We can listen up to the rate of 250 words per minute. But get this, we can think at 1,000 to 3,000 words per minute. So no wonder listening needs to be treated as a challenging mental task. Uh, Albert Guinan says, there are people who, instead of listening to what is being said to them, are already listening to what they are going to say themselves. Uh, there was a line from a movie, it says, are you listening or are you waiting to speak? There is a difference. So you're going to need to learn to use the gap between the rate of speech and your rate of thought constructively. And here are some suggestions. Number one, maintain eye contact with the speaker. One of my favorite sayings on this subject was the wife who said to her husband, I need you to listen to me with your eyes. You don't mind if I tell this story, right? All right. Okay. Uh, early in our marriage, um, Tony is an extremely talented multitasker. And I say that with great admiration. I am not so much, but he really can do quite a few things all at one time. But one of the things that he would do, I would try to talk to him, you know, about maybe the children. This was early, so the children were very young. I would try to talk to him. Well, he would be reading the newspaper, a book. He'd be watching something on TV. And, and I'd say, are you listening to me? And he says, sure, sure I am. You just said da-da-da-da-da. You know, he, he would be able to parrot exactly what I said. But he was not listening to me with his eyes. He was busy doing something else. And he would tell me many times, he would say, honey, I can multitask. I'm hearing you. But it didn't communicate to me that he was listening to me. It didn't communicate that he was giving me his full attention. Most people want that, don't they? They want the full attention of the person that they're speaking to. They want to feel heard. I talked about that last night, that that proves validation. That proves that you're in this together, that you're a part of what's going on. So he learned. He, he learned that when I needed to talk to him, that he would put whatever it was he was doing, he'd put it down and show me. He might have been paying attention to me earlier fully, but he needed to show me that he was really paying attention to me. So you want to maintain contact, eye contact with the speaker. Number two, you want to focus on content and not delivery. If you are the listener, try not to criticize the words they use or their grammar or even the emotion behind what they're saying. Just quietly, patiently listen and don't, don't be that high school uh, English teacher, you know, with the red pen that would just mark everything that was being said or written, you know. Don't do that. Don't, don't judge as they're trying to talk, but just listen. Number three, avoid emotional involvement. I think this is a really important thing between husbands and wives. A lot of the things that we discuss are pretty emotional. Finances, for one thing. You know, finances... Uh, the problems with finances are one of the number one causes of conflict in a marriage. Uh, there's other things. Children, particularly if you are blending a family. You've got his children and her children, and the conversations that have to take place on how to raise a blended family, that can go pretty high on the emotional chart, you know. It can get 
pretty serious pretty quick. And if you can listen without emotion, then you can try to hear what they're saying easier. Emotion's almost like a veil between the two of you. So if you can leave the emotions out of it at the moment, uh, you'll, you'll get farther in the conversation. So you want to try to remain objective and open-minded. And when you are too emotionally involved in listening, you tend to hear what you want to hear, not what is actually being said. Men seem to do better responding uh, objectively and doing the open-minded listening. Women, we need to work on this a lot of times. Uh, we, we tend to be the more emotional of the two. And if you don't respond emotionally when your husband is talking to you, he'll feel safer talking to you. There is a safety factor here in communication. If somebody feels like they're going to open up um, a wasp nest by talking to you, you know, they don't feel safe bringing a certain subjects up. And we all know it's vital to bring those subjects up in our marriages. Just keeping things under the rug, not talking about them, that never brings a solution. So we have to learn how to talk, how to listen. Avoid distractions. Number four, Allowing yourself to be distracted communicates that you aren't interested in the conversation. This is what, this kind of goes along with what I said before about maintaining eye contact. Um, I felt like, <laughs> felt like, I felt like Tony was not interested in what I needed to talk to him about when he would be doing other things. It looked like he was distracted to me. He says he wasn't, but it looked like that to me. So sincerely listen without just going through the motions. Prove that you care by suspending all activities. Now, ladies and men, timing is everything. Uh, guys, it's not a good idea to talk to your wife during certain times of the month about serious things. If you don't want emotion, then, then be mindful of where she is emotionally. And, and women tend to, we have these cycles that go up and down emotionally, and it's, it's a burden that we bear. It's not something we chose. It, it's just a part of who we are. So you need to be mindful of that. Ladies, it is not smart to try to talk to your husband if he's watching an important ball game or any ball game. <laughs> Sometimes it's all ball games. Okay. Pastor Brenda says they're all a really big game at their house. So it's just not smart to bring something up when a game is on or when they're involved in doing something that they love or when they're in pain. A lot of times people will try to bring up something important when the other person is in pain, physical pain I'm talking about, or even emotional pain. If, if I'm having trouble with my family, I'm speaking of my mother or my sister, or, you know, that kind of family. If I'm having trouble with that and Tony tries to bring up something about the ministry, I don't listen very well because I'm in pain about a situation that's going on. But it's the same thing with guys. So be careful. Uh, that when you have, let's go back to avoiding distractions. When you are distracted by something, make sure that that's not being passive aggressive as well. Make sure that you're not trying to really communicate to that person, I don't want to talk about this right now. The best thing to do is say, honey, I'm 
emotional about this other situation right now, so I want to talk to you about this situation, but let's do it another time. Or, honey, this game's really important to me. I got to know if this little league team is going to make it to the, you know, to the world championships or whatever. You know, those, everybody has their uh, scale of importance, and we need to respect that, don't we? You know? So, okay. And let's see, number, this would be one, two, three, four, five. Prove understanding. People need some sort of evidence that they are being understood. Remember I talked about the Mars and Venus book last night, and John Gray, the author, says that the source of all fights is not feeling understood. If you can prove that you're understanding the speaker, you can avoid a lot of fights. Men, let me, uh, let me give this little piece of advice. Try soothing her instead of solving her. In that video that we watched, it didn't work when he tried to solve her situation as blatant and, you know, unavoidable as the nail was. He, she, that's not what she wanted. She wanted to be soothed in that moment. She wanted him to say, wow, that must really hurt. Um, I love this little story from a book called Love Talk. It says, when a woman talks about her feelings about a situation, the man assumes she is seeking his help to find a solution. Like a fireman receiving a call for a fire, he jumps into action, quickly sizing up what it's going to take to put out the blaze. You know, what she wants him to say is, how awful. You must really be hot. I'm guessing you are extremely anxious, and I'm just sorry it's so hot for you. That doesn't make sense to a lot of people. You know, why, why not put out the fire so you're not hot anymore? But first, this is a first response, okay? We've, we all know about first responders. So, guys, here's a first response. It's really hot. I'm sorry it's so hot for you. You must be in a lot of suffering or pain. That nail, that must really be troublesome to you. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a nail in my forehead. Do that first. That's your first response. And then when she opens up and says, oh, you understand. That's, uh, it's terrible for me. Then here's the trick that Tony has learned with me. He will ask me, he'll say, now, do you want me to to solve this for you, or do you want me to just listen? Do you want a solution, or you just want my ear? That saves us a lot of trouble right there when he just defines what it is in that moment that I'm looking for. And you know what? There are times when I will say, yeah, I need a solution, and I need it fast. And we'll just go right to the core of the issue, you know, and I'm ready to do that. There are other times when I just want him to tell me, that nail, that's really hard on you, isn't it? That's really tough for you, isn't it? So you have to def determine what's needed in the situation. The beginning of understanding in a conversation between a husband and wife comes from understanding the differences between men and women. And I mentioned, you know, some of the books last night. You can learn. We talked a little bit about last night. You can learn these differences. Men typically like to tell what they know in a conversation. Typically, women like to tell how they feel. Most women are focused on today, while most men spend most of their time in the future analyzing plans and solving problems for a better future. 
if you understand that, some of the basic generalities, it really goes a long way in having a good conversation. So here's some ways to show that you are understanding what your spouse is saying. One of those is to occasionally restate the gist of their idea or ask relevant questions to qualify that you prove that you know the main idea. The important point, guys, please do not do this. The important point is not to repeat what they've said just to prove that you can hear. You've heard that. People say, I hear you say blah, 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 you know, and, and all that sounds like is a parrot repeating back. It doesn't prove that you've listened, but it proves that you've heard. But to prove that you're listening and doing your best to understand, smile, show, non, or show appropriate nonverbal responses such as nodding. But please, guys, don't be the bobblehead. Don't take these things to extreme, you know, like the repeating back or the nodding or the smiling like a Cheshire cat. Because what we know is you're just doing those things to get us to hurry up and stop talking. You're going to want to prove respect. An English proverb says, respect. respect is the younger brother of love. It is insulting to be ignored or neglected. Take the speaker's views seriously. Try to imagine being where they are in the moment. Men, it might help to make an in intentional effort to consciously feel her feelings and think her thoughts before offering a solution. I know that's counterintuitive to a lot of you. But empathy is the ability to accurately see the world through your partner's eyes. And it's what enables a really deep and meaningful connection. And this is what most women are looking for, that deep and meaningful connection. And the way we feel that is through good communication. Number two, be patient. For some personality types, this will be more difficult. But do your very best not to rush or interrupt the speaker. Avoid the temp ten I can't even speak this morning. Avoid the tendency to get ahead of the speaker and finish his or her thoughts. Sometimes we think we're proving understanding by finishing their sentence, right? It's like, oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. That does not help the speaker. They need to be able to get it out of themselves. That needs to come out of their own mouth, not yours. So you have to be patient with it. Susa Elgin says, you absolutely cannot be sure you understand unless you really listen. Yet we often tune out those we love because we already know what they're going to say, or at least we think we do. We figure it can't matter, but it really does. You might inadvertently communicate that he or she is wasting your time. That's not something that you want to communicate to your spouse, to a coworker, to a stranger on the street. Okay. You can communicate that they're wasting your time, not your spouse. And especially if you would say, would you please get to the bottom line? How many of you have ever said that? You don't have to raise your, oops, there goes a hand. I see that hand. Yeah. Most women are notorious talkers compared to most men. So here's, here's a little piece of advice for the talkative ones. Be respectful of the listener's capacity to endure. I think this is super important. Those of us who are very verbal, we don't always consider the capacity to endure our talking in the other person. So if you'll be mindful of that, it will, it will really help. I like a story I read in, in one of the 
I can't remember if it was the spaghetti or the clams book, but anyways, one of those books was talking about when a man is listening to his wife, sometimes he feels like it's having a pepperoni pizza delivered one pepperoni at a time. This is just understanding how husbands and wives work together in a general sense. Again, I want to say general because sometimes people get kind of offended when they're included in a generality. I don't mean to offend anybody by this, but just for the sake of the crowd, we speak in generalities in these marriage conferences. So anyways, whoever is delivering the pepperoni, try to make it as complete as possible. All right. Bless you. Thank you. All right. Stand up real quick. Just stretch and then sit back down. Just, I know it's early morning and uh, stretch. This is another session. It's just continuation of the same. I mean, are they going to go on a separate CD? Because you can't go. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll stay on the same. Same CD. Same CD. All right. You can be seated. I just wanted to stretch. Oh, yeah. Did you turn, did you bring in the survey? Anybody fill that out and bring that in? If you would, go ahead and hand that. Well, you may not want to. Wait till the break. Wait till the break, and that way you don't have to worry about somebody reading your stuff. Um, You know, I had somebody one time at one of these seminars. uh, We will try to use a few of these in the final session. But we don't use anything that is kind of hurtful or derogatory toward anybody. Um, One guy uh, on his form put down, you know, what's your biggest frustration in marriage? He said, you know, I I was told before marriage that, you know, women can have mood swings. But he said, I didn't realize that my wife bought the whole swing set. (laughs) And I I said, okay, I'm not going to use that at this seminar because she's sitting right there. And, you know, of course, I used it at every seminar since then. But um, uh, Lisa, that was a very good job on listening. Um, And it really ties into the theme that I started on last night that I'm going to continue with. Uh, managing differences. Uh, We typically don't solve differences. We manage differences. Uh, People are hardwired often a certain way. And um, so we want to learn to resolve disagreements, manage conflict so that we negotiate and come out with a scenario that is a win-win situation. Uh, One... uh, Research indicated that marriage health, and I want you to listen to this very carefully, that marriage health is based on the husband's willingness to respond to the wife's influence and share power with her. Let me read that again. The husband's willingness to respond to the wife's influence. There have been several times in our marriage where, and part of this is because of, and I'm going to make some statements this morning that are going to be generalities. They don't fit in every marriage, but they fit in a number of marriages. For example, this thought, that man is a logical thinker. Woman is an emotional feeler. Now, that's not 100% true. And, but in many cases, men are more logical, women are more emotional. Um, that difference, and there, there, there are couples where, you know, I've had couples tell me where the man says, no, I'm more emotional, and the woman is more logical. 
even in John Gray's book, you know, that got a lot of people thinking about this, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. He said in that book that his generalities only apply in about 80% of marriages, that a lot of these differences between men and women just aren't 100%. So you have to know who you are and know who your spouse is and don't let yourself be stereotyped or pigeonholed. But the truth is a lot of times the generalities are there because they are generally true. Um, But when we begin to talk about this, that um, a husband has to be willing to respond to the wife's influence... You can go to an extreme either way. Number one is where the husband does not respect the wife's influence at all. And he's just going to do it his way no matter how she thinks or feels about it. And he's going to steamroll his way through. And and there have been many times in our marriage where um, in my logical approach to a situation, Lisa would tell me, you know, Tony, something's not right about that. Well, logically, it was right to me. And I tended to want to dismiss her intuition because Lisa's a lot more intuitive than I am. Uh, I'm probably more rational, logical, not that she's illogical or irrational, and not that I'm 100% without emotion. It's just I tend to lean to the logical side. She tends to lean to the emotional side. There have been times where she's been 1,000% right, and I've been 1,000% wrong. And the logic just didn't flow through, at least my brand of logic didn't work. So I've learned when she says, Tony, I don't feel right about this. I've learned to to respect that and listen to that. And there have been times in the past where I didn't. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes she's right. But you have to share power within the marriage. Now, I've seen other cases where it wasn't an issue at all of the husband being willing to share power. It's that the wife was, you know, completely dominant in the situation. And so you have to work with those, you know, situations as well. But as a general rule, the husband needs to be willing to respond to the wife's influence and share power with her. And if they can learn to make that work within the dynamics of their personalities, their temperament, and so on, then what you end up with is a partnership in marriage. You don't have a dictator and you don't have a doormat. But you have a a man and a wife, uh, a a man and a woman, a husband and wife who are uh, working together, praying together, endeavoring to follow God together and being mutually respectful of each other's input. And at some point, you know, somebody needs to defer to the other. But um, it's, I, I, my wife and I have just found it's best if we work together in partnership that way. To me, the authority of the husband is not a dictatorial authority, but it's a responsibility to lead. It's a responsibility to lead. And so that does not mean subjugating the wife. And and it goes both ways on that. But let me give you some of the differences that have been noted about the differences between men and women in terms of uh, communication and in terms of resolving certain issues. Number one, I gave this to you a moment ago, a woman is an emotional feeler. A man is a logical thinker. For a woman, language spoken is an expression of what she feels. 
For a man, language spoken is an expression of what he thinks. Language that is heard by a woman is an emotional experience. Language heard by a man is the receiving of information. Um, sometimes people are a little bit, um, you know, mystified. A guy will hear something and he doesn't really take it personally. Um, so a guy thinks that he can share information with his wife that he would not take personally, but it really offends the woman. Are you out there? Has that ever happened? And um, so you have to realize that there's that difference. Uh, women tend to take everything personally. Men tend to take everything impersonally. Women are interested in details, the nitty-gritty. Men are interested in the principle, the abstract, or the philosophy. Um, I find many times that, you know, Lisa will ask me how something went, how this meeting go with this person. Fine. And I, to me, I've given her a full report. And she wants details. She wants the nitty-gritty. Um, here's something that's very, uh, very interesting. Men are like filing cabinets. They take problems, put them in the file, and close the drawer. Women are like computers. Their minds keep going and going and going and going until the problem is solved. Now, we found out something, you know, and you just learn things, hopefully, uh, during the course of your journey. Our kids are 29 and 26, and between uh, Laura and Andrew being born, uh, we experienced a miscarriage. And, of course, that was, you know, painful, traumatic. Anybody that's been through that knows, you know, some of the disappointment that can be involved in that. And um, we noticed that as, as we processed through that, that after a few days, you know, I was hurt, frustrated, you know, had questions. Why did this happen? All those things. But after a few days of kind of wrestling with it mentally, I realized, you know what, I can't do anything to change this. Um, uh, I don't know why it happened. So I'm just going to put it in that filing cabinet and close the drawer. And I'm ready to go on with my life. But what I found was that Lisa did not process it that way. That she would approach it, kind of work with it a little bit, then back off for a day or two, and then she'd reapproach it again and begin to ask all the questions, and then she'd back off again, and, and then she'd reapproach it. And, and I found that my approach was to approach it, deal with it, figure out I couldn't solve it, then, okay, it's history, let's move on, kind of the rational, logical approach. But Lisa would keep approaching it, backing off, reapproaching it, backing off, reapproach it, backing off, for how long? for months. And I remember, um, you know, and especially we'd talk about it a lot laying in bed at night. And I remember thinking, you know, when is she going to let this thing go? And, um, you know, and I wasn't, I was, you know, we were very young at that point, And I, I had that impatience, you know, that she talked about. See, I wanted her to deal with it the way I was dealing with it. And so it frustrated me when, you know, and I would give my best logical answer and it didn't satisfy. 
because a logical answer doesn't always hit an emotional need. And so she had to work through that thing in her way, in her time. And if I could turn back the hands of time, I would have been and endeavored to be much more you know, patient and long-suffering. I don't remember exactly how I was, but I don't think I was as supportive as I... Yeah, she's saying, no, you weren't. I don't think I was as supportive as I could have been because I was still, you know, in that mentality that she should just handle it the way I handle it. Now, there is a statistic um, that I came across when I was writing the book, uh, Life After Death, Rediscovering Life After the Loss of a Loved One, that 80% of parents who lose a young child in death will end up getting divorced. And it's because, counselors believe, it's because the way the woman processes the death of her child and the way the man processes the death of the child are such that they are so different in the grieving process that there comes a great disconnect. Now, you know, so if you have ever experienced that or know someone that does... It's not a bad idea to really encourage that couple to get into some good Christian counseling so that they can learn how. Because sometimes we need some coaching, okay? Because we all have blind spots. And if you have a blind spot where there's a complete impasse where you're not able to get something resolved in your relationship, it's a really good idea to enlist some help and some support. Um, let me, let me just mention, um, you know, some people don't really like the idea of going to a counselor, but you can get good counsel through books and CDs. There's two websites I'll just mention to you real quick. One is uh, www.family.org. Real easy website to remember. That's Focus on the Family. And if you go to their resource section, they're going to have all kinds of books and CDs about all kinds of, you know, Lisa mentioned the blended family. You know, there's some skills and, and uh, things that can be imparted coaching-wise that will help blended families. Uh, another website that is helpful in addition to family.org is aacc.net. aacc.net. That's the website for the American Association of Christian Counselors. And they also have a resource section that you can go to and find books, CDs on a large number of issues. All right. Here's another thought. A woman's home is an extension of her personality. A man's job is an extension of his personality. Now, again, generalities. Not always true. Sometimes it's completely flipped. I remember one time years ago when Lisa and I were, um, we hadn't been married terribly long. We were back in the house at Elder. And... um, This idea that a man's job is an extension of his personality, a woman's home is an extension of her personality. I look back at this now, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this story because it is so stupid. Um, But I had written a memo at work that I was really proud of. And um, I brought that memo home uh, to show Lisa. This is before emails. And I just thought, you know, I was dealing with this issue. I just thought I'd done such a masterful job of, of defining the issue and presenting, you know, solutions to this, you know, and I brought this memo home because I was so proud of my memo that I wanted Lisa to read the memo. 
And I wanted her to tell me how brilliant I was, you know, for composing such an incredible memo. And I brought that memo home and I walked in the kitchen. She was fixing dinner. And I said, honey, you've got to read this memo. And she said, well, I'm fixing dinner. Just set it down over there and I'll look at it later. I mean, I was just like, what do you, what do you mean you're going to read it later? You need to read this now. This is, I mean, this is, this is like Nobel. If they had a Nobel category for memos, I would be getting the Nobel Prize. And um, she just said, no, no, I'll, I'll read it later. And, um, and I'm just sitting there thinking, ah. and it wasn't very long after that. It wasn't very long after that. I was watching a game, and um, Lisa said, she said, Honey, can you come in here to this other room? She said, I'm hanging some pictures. And she said, I want to get your input on, uh, you know, how to position these. And I said, Honey, just put them wherever you want. I'm sure they'll be fine. Now... You, you need to understand one thing that's happened is that we've had moments, and this has probably happened in recent years, where you'll put a new picture in the house, and like three weeks later, she'll say, what do you think of the new picture? And I'll say, what picture? <laughs> I don't even notice some of that stuff. And, um, but she, she said, come in here to this other room, and, and, and I wa- she wanted me to hold, you know, hold pictures in different spots, and she'd stand back across the room. And, and I said, honey, you just put them wherever you want to. It's, it's fine. You'll do a great job. And all of a sudden, I felt this cold air. Is that, is that all right to say? I felt this cold draft coming in from the other room. And I'm thinking, what? You know, just put the pictures wherever you want to. I don't care. But see, here's the thing. A man's job is the extension of his personality. A woman's home is the extension of her personality. And I realized that I wanted her to value my work at the office, but I didn't care. I didn't even care enough to get up, put the remote control down and get up off the couch and walk in to look at her pictures. And, and to be honest, I don't care where the pictures go. But I've learned, I hope, more in time that because she cares where the pictures go, even though I really don't care, I act like I care. Because here's the point. I don't care where the pictures go, but I care about her. And because I care about her, I act like I care about the pictures, but I really only care about her. You know, we found in our differences that, um, there, you know, you, you develop certain interests and all that. And this is something that was not part of the original marriage deal because she developed this interest after we got married. I had no idea that once we got her up into the mountains, like at Rocky Mountain National Park and different places, Mount Rainier, that she just hikes like nobody's business. She the last time, well, not the last time, but the time before we were in Colorado, she took me, was that an 11-hour hike? Whoa. And we went up to, tw- we went up to 12,500 feet. And, I mean, we didn't start at zero. I don't know where we started. But, I mean, and, and to her, hiking energizes her like nothing else. It doesn't energize me. 
it does not energize me. But you know what? We also found, we didn't know this when we got married either, but I was going to fall in love with the biblical archaeological sites in Greece and Turkey. And I've been in Ephesus four times, and we've led three tours to, uh, you know, Ephesus and Corinth and the island of Patmos and, um, you know, all these different places in Greece and Turkey. And you know what? It, that energizes me. It doesn't energize her. Matter of fact, when I'm lecturing, we're standing on at Pergamum, and I'm lecturing and all that, and, and, and the group that we've got, you know, because we lead groups, and, and everybody in the group is sitting there really in, enthralled and all that, and I'll look, and where's Lisa? Oh, she's over looking at flowers. <laughs> Yeah, she went on a hike. <laughs> That's very astute, Brent. I didn't think about that. But, uh, but you know what? Even though I don't love it, I go hiking with her because she loves hiking. And even though she does not love looking at rocks in Greece and Turkey, you know, ruins... Uh, she does that with me, not because she loves those, but because she loves me. Yep. So there has to be, you know, some give and take. There has right. to be some, um, you know, you do certain things to honor the other person. Right. And, and really, to be honest, it, when, when we can get over the thing of selfishness in marriage, where I just look at my spouse, you know, I just want you to meet all my needs. I want you to fulfill all my dreams and desires and things like that. And you, you begin to, instead of asking the question, what can I get out of you? You begin to ask the question, how can I be a blessing to you? When a marriage between a man and a woman becomes a contest to see who can outbless the other person, then you've got the grounds for a good marriage. Okay? So let's do this. Let's take a quick break here. And um, let me, uh, there's going to be some handouts uh, that maybe you can turn in. And ushers, could you just be available to get those? Let me mention really quickly, we now have five books. And um, the latest book we mentioned last night.